Hi, this is Ed Fitzpatrick. If you enjoy local politics as much as I do, be sure to join our friends at Rhode Island PBS for the show A Lively Experiment. Hosted by Jim Hummel, the weekly series features journalists, pundits, and politicians debating the stories and issues that matter most to us Rhode Islanders. Tune in to A Lively Experiment and be part of the conversation. Fridays at 7 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS and wherever you get your podcasts. From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. We're nearing the end of the Winter Olympics, which means the Summer Olympics are only two years away. And here in Rhode Island, there's a 16-year-old who might be a top contender. Sophia Gorioran is a junior at Moses Brown. And last week, she broke the under-18 world record for the fastest 800 meters by a woman. Sophia and her dad, Steve, who is also her coach, join us today to talk about running, the Olympics, and how she set the world record just a couple days after spraining her ankle. That's after this quick break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Rhode Island PBS Weekly is an award-winning news magazine broadcast that gives you the full story, powered by investigative journalism and narrative storytelling. New episodes of Rhode Island PBS Weekly drop Sundays at 7.30 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS. Watch past episodes at ripbs.org weekly. That's ripbs.org weekly. Welcome back. I'm here with Moses Brown Jr. and elite runner Sophia Gorioran and her father, Steve. Thank you for joining us on Rhode Island Report. Thank you very much, Ed, for having us. Let's start by talking about the under-18 world record you just set on Friday. Sophia, can you walk us through the race, starting with when you stepped onto the track? At the start, I just kind of tried to get out quickly. This is the Women's BU Invitational Heat 1 of the Women's 800 and they are off. We got some two Phenom High School stars in this race in Roisin Willis and Sophia Gorarian. And um, just kind of stay in contact with Roisin at the start. And they are cruising here. I got into like sixth place or fifth place, something like that. And from then on, I kind of just tried to work my way up, but also like just try to kind of relax and maintain. This is going to be a barn burner, ladies and gentlemen. Can the high school standouts break 201? Can they even break two minutes? I knew, like, if I kept kind of, like, maintaining what I was doing, I knew I could, I knew I could run a fast time. And they are at 129 with 200 meters to go. 129! With, from, like, the last, like, 100 meters to go, I kind of just tried to give it everything I had. And, Can Willis get a 59? Whoa! Sophia Guerrerian, also a high school star. Did she break 201? She did, two flat 58, wow. It was like a great feeling. I mean, I've kind of wanted this for a while and just like seeing like the time was just like crazy. And The greatest high school race ever in the women's 800. Willis and Guerrerian shatter Sammy Watson's 201 national record. Wow. 
Steve, how, yeah, what was your what was going through your mind when you saw Sophia cross the finish line in that time of under two minutes and one second? Holy sh! <laughs> I'm not allowed to say that. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I get it. I get. Uh, I can get excitable at the, at the at the track meets. I turned around, and looked at the scoreboard to see what the time was. I knew it was going to be fast. And when I saw her name pop up there and it was too flat, I was just ecstatic. I mean, I went over and grabbed her and picked her up and celebrated. And I just yelled at her, hey, Sophia, that's a new world record. And she was like, wow. Yeah, let's talk about that time. For non-runners, can you explain what it means to run a two minutes and less than a second 800? No high school, no female high school runner has ever run that time. And the previous like national record was... 201.78. So just getting under that 201 mark was kind of unheard of, I would say, for a high school female runner. I mean, it was just, it was really cool. I, I think for people who don't know track, to put it in perspective, like um, I did a little research for Sophia just to send her where she sits in life. Only one woman in NCAA history has ever run faster than that. Wow. And, that and that was the thing, Mo, who just won the gold medal. And she only did it once. Oh, okay. right, right. Okay, That's so right, of all man. the indoor times that Mo ran, <clears throat> only one of them was faster than that time. Okay, the other ones were slower than that time. So what Roisin and Sophia ran was uh, really the second and third fastest times ever run by anybody in college, high school, you know, period. And what makes it all the more impressive to me is that sources tell me that you sprained your ankle uh, Sophia, a couple of days before the race, tell me about that. Is that true? Yeah. Um, Wednesday before my race, Friday, I was warming up and I was doing like high knees in place to a stride. And when I stepped back to run, I stepped on a pair of blocks and rolled my ankle and it was kind of like a minor sprain. But by the time of the race, the swelling had gone down like a good amount. So I felt like pretty good to run. Yeah, it didn't really hurt to, like, run, like, on the track or, like, in a straight line, so I thought, like, it was fine, but if I was playing, like, I don't know, like, a different sport where I had to cut from side to side, it would hurt, like, a lot more, but... But you basically set a world record with a sprained ankle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't want to talk about it like that. Like, <laughs> like, we don't want to make it sound like, oh, Sophia could have run better if she didn't have the ankle injury. Sometimes when you have something like that happen to you, it makes you focus more. So it almost can be a positive. You know, it sounds crazy. But it's almost like you're so concerned about this or you can feel it when you're running that you kind of gear up more, you focus more and it just it helps you perform better. Yeah. So, hey, a lot of us, Sophia, a lot of us are watching the Winter Olympics now. How is is that making you think about your own shot at the Summer Olympics in 2024? Um, A little bit. I mean, definitely like it's definitely like a goal of mine to make it back to the trials in 2024 and see what I can do there and hopefully... Uh, possibly make the team. Yeah, you were the youngest person to try out at the at the trials uh, last year, correct? Yeah. How was that experience? Um, I thought it was like a really, really good experience. And just like having like, I don't know, like having that experience will help me like in the future, like especially with like the next Olympics and kind of just knowing like how everything is run, stuff like that. When I like, hopefully when I like get there again, um, I'll know like, what to do and I won't like I don't know like I won't be nervous or anything like that so I heard you started running when you were only about three years old is that right at down at the track tell me the story about how you get uh going at that young age yeah um so my dad would bring me along to co practice because um my sister and my brother would both be running 
and I kind of just watched them as they ran around the track and stuff like that. And I'd always feel like left out because I was the only one not running while everyone else was. So then um, my dad like taught me on the side, like how to, how to do like the drills and stuff. And then once I learned them all and like I memorized them, um, I was able to try and do them with the whole team. And then when my other coach, Coach Tom, when he saw like I could do it and stuff, then I don't know, I just joined the team from a young age. When, you know, when she was three years old, I mean, as soon as she started running, you could just tell that I had coached kids for a long time uh, with, with Tom Spann at the Cobras. And I could just tell that, uh, you know, she was something different about the way she ran. Like, I was like, I could I'd come over and tell my wife, I mean, this girl's like unbelievable. I mean, you see her run. It's like, I always told Sophia, my most pleasurable experiences with her is not these big meets or going to the trials or this, that, and the other. It's uh, practicing over at Brown University in the summertime, her running on the track outside there and seeing her run through the curve. And to me, it just looks like secretariat, you know? Oh, that's great. Yeah. And Sophia, what's it like having your dad as a coach? Um, for me, I really like it just because my dad knows me so well. And like, he, like he's with me like every night, every day. And he knows like kind of how I'm feeling. And he sees me at night if I'm like tired or something. Or, like, how, yeah, he just knows how I'm feeling and by the way I look. He also, like, kind of practices with me, too, sometimes. And kind of does some of the work with me. So he also can, like, get a sense of, like, the stuff I'm doing and how it feels for me. Now, I I think I first uh, met you guys when I'd run into you at the JCC gym. And I was always struck by how the whole family was working out together. You were stretching, you were lifting weights. How would you describe the, the role that sports and athletics uh plays in in your family steve athletics has always been a very big you know part of what we do and uh, to me it's like a lifestyle and uh, we've always felt like i always tell the kids we practice like the greek philosophy sound mind sound body and you have to do well in your schoolwork and academically you have to do well and you have to treat your body the same way as you treat your mind and you have to really exercise both of them. So, yeah, my wife is very active athletically. You know, my older son, uh, Sophia's, uh, you know, brother Max. And then Natasha, Sophia, all of us, we'd go to the gym together. We'd go to the track together. We just kind of do things as a family together. You know, I got that from my, great, my grandfather, my father. My great-grandfather managed the 68 Olympic wrestling team. You know, my father was uh, undefeated as a wrestler through high school. It's just we were just always very involved in sports. Like our idea of fun is we would go exercise, you know, and do things. But not, not intensely. Just say, let's just go do this and we'll go do something. You know, or let's go play bocce or something when we're done, you know. But we do like things, active things like outside. Yeah, I love that photo of uh, Sophia at the, I think that was at the finish line the other day where her brother Max is uh, giving her a big hug. Is he, uh, are your brother, is your brother and sister, are they your biggest fans? Uh, yeah, I would say they are, like kind of my whole family. Yeah, are, are my biggest fans, I would say. And they really support me and like what I do. And they're always like kind of there for me and always like there to say like congrats and stuff and good luck every, like for every race I have. And training partners too, are they doing some of the the laps with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, all last year and pretty much my whole life before my sister went to college, we would train together and practice together every day. Whether it was like track or lacrosse, whatever sport we played, we kind of just did the same things. And yeah. We just, and your brother. Yeah, and Max. 
you know, Providence has such a great running community with like Molly Huddle and Kim Smith. Uh, you, you know, you can see them out on Blackstone Boulevard at times. Have you had a chance to run with them? And, and uh, do you see them as role models? Yeah, I have had a chance to run with them. And yeah, I definitely do see them as role models. And I actually got to know Kim Smith pretty well. Last year, I would go on like runs with her um, kind of every Tuesday during the fall, which was like really like helpful. And um, she kind of like told me a lot of stuff about her experience with running and running in the Olympics and stuff like that. So yeah, what were some of the takeaways you got from hearing about her experience? Um, kind of just like, I don't know, just making sure like you're doing the right things. I would say not like overdoing it really and avoiding like injuries and also just, yeah, like not really like not putting pressure on yourself. Yeah. That makes sense. And avoiding sprained ankles. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think Kim's been great. I think the running community in Rhode Island is outstanding. You know, Rhode Island for its size has got to have some of the best runners, you know, in the country. I mean, it's just crazy. The other day, someone so said to me, they sent me a link. And they said, oh, Sophia said a new junior class time, too. And I'm looking at the list. And I go, wait a second. There's Maddie Berkson down there at number six. Oh, wait a second. There's Nikki Merrill at number 12. And I'm like... So of the top 12 girls that have ever run the 800 junior year, three of them are from Rhode Island. Wow. <laughs> I mean, come on. This is not Texas, you know, or California. So how, how do you explain that Rhode Island, for its size, has such a big running community? You know, I'm going to tell you, it just goes way back as far as I can see, like, like Bobby Doyle, you know? I mean, and Jimmy Doyle's done such a great job coaching over the years with Hendrickson. It's just the LaSalle teams that they've had. All the great runners at LaSalle, you know, when Sophia first started running, I mean, she was going with Kaylee Armitage all the time. That was who was pushing her. And, uh, you know, the history of like DJ Principe at LaSalle, the, the Butler brothers, okay, running four minutes, you know, these cr- crazy times that have come out of Rhode Island just fast. I don't know why it is. I, I do know why. It just came to me. It's the great coaching. Okay. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the athletes or the water or anything like that. It's the great coaching. The great coaching. Um, there's been a lot of attention lately around the pressure we put on athletes, especially young women athletes. We've seen athletes like Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka push back on what's expected. If you could affect the way elite athletes are treated, what would you change? Steve, do you have any thoughts? Well, help them in what aspect? Like um, just with the pressure of the situation? Yeah, with the pressure or, yeah, just the, the, the way they handle it. You know, how did we handle what you did last week at BU, Sophia? What's different? How do you handle it? You get in a situation like that. What'd you focus on? I uh, just focused on like the goals that I set for myself, but not like, like try, not always like so focused on like the win. I would say, but like yeah. eventually that will come. But as I'm growing as an athlete, just focusing on hitting my goals and like making myself happy with like the expectations I set for myself, but not, like not always like going. I mean. Like, it's good to get the win and stuff, but not so focused on winning that it drowns out everything else. And, like, you're not happy if you don't win. Yeah, I think when the win is important, if you're at the Olympic trials and you need to be top three, so you know the finishing position is important. But I think along the way, what we try to do with Sophia and really any athlete that we're coaching is what are your goals? Okay. Okay. So what makes you happy that you achieve those goals, you know, in track? And we don't make unrealistic goals 
that they cannot achieve. So every year Sophia's run, we've had targets along the way, hit 240, hit 228, hit 215, okay? And we've set these targets for her. And when she achieves them, we're very happy regardless of where she finishes, and she is too. She knows, I've told her since like December, you can run too flat. Now, when you do it or not, it's up to you. But, and, I, and I'll just say it. I say, here's why you can do that, because you can run the 400 in this time. Here's what you do in practice. Here's what you did previously. Here's what you ran previously. So she believes it too. She knows she can. So now it's just a matter of getting in the right race and executing her race plan properly. Yeah, yeah. And how do you keep running fun? Um, I think just like keeping it more light and not like putting pressure on yourself to always, I don't know, like PR every time or win every time. Just like keeping it like fun and light and like, yeah, not trying to put pressure on yourself. All right. Well, Sophia and Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. All right. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Here are some more stories to check out this week in Globe, Rhode Island. As the homelessness crisis gets worse in Rhode Island, residents are taking matters into their own hands. My colleague Alexa Gigas has a story of a makeshift shelter on Smith Hill and the people who found themselves there. What would Rhode Island politics look like if former Cranston Mayor Alan Fung wasn't snubbed by local Democrats 20 years ago? That's the question my colleague Dan McGowan asks in his latest column. The short answer, Fung wouldn't be in a position to give Republicans their best shot at electing a New England congressman. And I follow up on a story from a year ago to see if the town of Smithfield did more than paint over the racist and homophobic graffiti that was found on a popular walking trail. For these stories and more, go to globe.com slash Rhode Island. That's globe.com slash Rhode Island. As we interview all of the candidates for governor this year, we want your questions. What would you ask them? Email your ideas to rinews at globe.com. You might hear your question on the podcast. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Scott Hellman. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week. Looking to binge watch all your favorite PBS shows? You need Rhode Island PBS Passport. Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, Rhode Island PBS Weekly, and many more. Watch them all, anytime, and from any streaming device. Learn more about this member benefit at ripbs.org passport. That's ripbs.org passport.